Imagine earning a degree that prepares you with real skills for the real world. Capella University's programs teach skills relevant to your career, so you can apply what you learn right away. Learn how Capella can make a difference in your life at capella.edu. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Grammar Girl here. Back in episode 31, I answered a listener's question about some confusing lyrics in the Christmas carol, Joy to the World. She wondered why the lyrics went, the Lord is come, instead of the Lord has come. In fact, traditional Christmas carols are full of archaic or confusing language like this. So today we're going to untangle some more of that Christmas carol syntax that you may have been wondering about. The Christmas carol we're going to tackle today is What Child Is This?, written in 1865 by William Chatterton Dix, and sung to the tune of the traditional English folk song, Greensleeves. It starts out like this. What child is this who laid to rest on Mary's lap is sleeping? (laughs) Well, forgive that bad singing, but you get the idea. It's simple enough at first. What child is this? So let's move on. Who laid to rest on Mary's lap? It looks like we have a clause that describes this child. The subject of the clause is the relative pronoun who. The predicate seems to be laid to rest on Mary's lap. But wait, if you're a longtime Grammar Girl listener, you know that something's funny about laid to rest. Back in 2009, I talked about the verbs lay and lie, and joked that Eric Clapton's song Lay Down Sally really should be Lie Down Sally. For the full story on that, check out episode 37. But here's a short summary of lay and lie in the present and past tenses, at least in what's currently accepted as standard English. Today, I lie down. Yesterday, I lay down. Today, I lay aside my misgivings. Yesterday, I laid aside my misgivings. So, if the line in this Christmas carol is talking about someone who lay down to rest, it should be who lay down to rest. So, why is it actually who laid to rest? Well, maybe William Dix was just one of those speakers like Eric Clapton, who was mixed up about lay and lie. If you're hip to the distinction between lay and lie, you'll have to just grudgingly accept the songwriter's wording and move on to the next line for now. At this point, we've made it through what child is this who laid to rest on Mary's lap, without too much of a problem. For speakers who have lay as a synonym for lie, there's been no problem at all. Now, here comes the real monkey wrench in the works. The sentence isn't over yet. It goes on for two more words. Is sleeping. What who laid to rest on Mary's lap is sleeping? This clause has too many predicates. The subject is who, and it's already attached to a predicate, laid to rest on Mary's lap, isn't it? What are we supposed to do with is sleeping? Linguists call this kind of sentence a garden path sentence. It gently leads you down the garden path, and everything is fine until you suddenly arrive at a dead end and have to go back and figure out where you took a wrong turn. 
Not only is this line a garden path sentence, it also has what's sometimes called a squinting modifier. An older meaning of the verb squint is to look in two directions, and the phrase on Mary's lap does just that. It could go with what comes before, laid to rest, where we've been putting it so far, or it could go with what comes after, is sleeping. But either way, the baby Jesus ends up sleeping on Mary's lap, so we won't worry about getting a conclusive answer here. Instead, let's get back to figuring out how to fit is sleeping into this sentence. The trick is to ignore the laid to rest part so that you just have what child is this who on Mary's lap is sleeping. That makes much more sense. And with just a little rearrangement, it even sounds like everyday English. What child is this who's sleeping on Mary's lap? Now we can take another look at that laid to rest part. Surprise, it turns out that William Dix was using laid correctly after all. He wasn't using it as the past tense of lay. He was using laid as a past participle, and laid to rest is an adjective phrase describing someone who has been laid to rest. In other words, it's an adjectival passive, which you may remember from the episode on passive voice a few weeks ago. Adjectival passives are responsible for a lot of garden path sentences. So if we untangle and straighten out all the difficult syntax and put in a couple of helping words, we get something like, what child is this who has been laid to rest and is now sleeping on Mary's lap? Actually, if you read the lyrics, commas make this all clear. But if you're singing it from memory, the commas won't help you. If you read the sentence with the intonation the commas suggest, it might be more understandable, but also halting and awkward. What child is this? who, laid to rest, on Mary's lap is sleeping. In fact, if I were an English teacher grading a student's essay with a sentence like this one, I'd label it awkward and have the student rewrite it. But linguist Joff Nunberg writes, quote, We like the incantations we recite on ritual occasions to be linguistically opaque, from the unparsable star-spangled banner to the Pledge of Allegiance, unquote. In that light, the difficult lyrics of old-time Christmas carols are just part of their charm. This podcast was written by Neil Whitman, who has a Ph.D. in linguistics and has written more about ambiguous, confusing, or misunderstood lyrics in Christmas songs on his blog at literalminded.wordpress.com. You can find those posts in the Christmas songs category. And I'm Mignon Fogarty, author of the Grammar Devotional. It's not a religious book. It has a year's worth of daily grammar tips. That's all. Thanks for listening. Tito's Handmade Vodka had been mixed with its fair share of cocktails. But one night, a chilled glass topped with lime and cranberry would change everything this bottle knew about happy hour. From the producers of America's Favorite Vodka, it turns out the cocktail you've been waiting for was right there the whole time. The Tito's Rom Cosmo. You'll laugh, you'll cry, you'll sip with Tito's. Coming to cocktail parties near you at titosvodka.com. 40% alcohol by volume, namely 80 proof, crafted to be savored responsibly. Earning your degree online doesn't mean you have to go about it alone. At Capella University, we're here to support you when you're ready. From enrollment counselors who get to know you and your goals, to academic coaches who can help you form a plan to stay on track. We care about your success and are dedicated to helping you pursue your goals. Going back to school is a big step, but having support at every step of your academic journey can make a big difference. Imagine your future differently at capella.edu.